Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to continue our series on ACT and health issues and talk about cancer, a special kind of cancer, breast cancer. Breast cancer is a type of cancer originating from the breast tissue, most commonly from the inner lining of the milk ducts. Worldwide, breast cancer accounts for 22.9% of all cancers. Prognosis and survival rates for breast cancer vary greatly depending on the cancer type, the stage, treatment, and geographical location for the patient. Survival rates in the Western world are high. For example, 8 of 10 women, about 85% in England, uh, who are diagnosed with breast cancer survive for at least five years. In the developing countries, however, survival rates are much poorer. Today you get a chance to listen to how ACT can be used to help women struggling with breast cancer. You're going to listen to a guest that was on one of our very first programs, uh, Dr. Jen Gregg. Uh, Jan is a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the San Jose State University in California. She's a recognized ACT trainer, a therapist, and a researcher who began studying ACT with Steve Hayes nearly 20 years ago. You can read more about Jan and her research by clicking on her name where you'll get to her website. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Jen, um, this area of breast cancer, uh, since it does um, affect many, many young women, um, must be easy to relate to and, and must be also quite painful uh, for you as a young woman and a young mom to relate to. What, what got you interested in working with breast cancer? Um, you know, I think like a lot of people, uh, cancer has touched my life. Uh, personally, it's um, not too uncommon, I think, that most of us have people that we care about who develop some kind of cancer over their lifetime, and I certainly haven't been immune to that. I've had dear friends and family members and people that I love and are very meaningful to me uh, struggle with this disease and have lost them. Um, and so I think that definitely has impacted uh, m my choice to, to be involved with cancer patients. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also, I think that for this population, there's a, there's a bit of a need that these are people who experience something really scary. Mm -hmm. And then, as you mentioned in your introduction, often go on and survive. Mm -hmm. uh, and have to find a way to take care of that fear as they move forward. 
Jen, I know that you've worked with different types of cancer. What's particular about breast cancer? I think breast cancer patients uh, have touched my heart personally because this is a a cancer that often strikes both young women and older women, older women more often, but there are very uh, salient cases, particularly in women who have a family history of breast cancer, um, where women can encounter this uh, at a young age, and as you mentioned, sometimes with small children or with early on in their life and their uh, careers, their marriages, their relationships, and it's something that um, there's just something very powerful to me about the process of being uh, a person who struggles through this experience early in life. And then, as I mentioned, has to find a way to to carry and take care of that fear moving forward. And that, for some reason, in breast cancer, that really uh, touched a nerve for me and, and got me interested in working with this population. You mentioned uh, um, the fear of going forward. What what are the, you know, what types of things do breast cancer uh, women tend to struggle with? Um, well, I mean, I think there's a lot of pieces of this. Uh, and if you think about the process of being diagnosed with cancer, any type of cancer, but we'll talk specifically about breast cancer, um, you know, there's sort of a chronological trajectory that's often similar across women, where first of all, they go in for maybe a mammogram or they find a lump. And this is a an experience that at least in Western cultures, um, we know is supposed to be scary. There is a certain amount of um, drama and worry that is associated with that for women, even before they ever experience um, a negative uh, finding or a you know a, a something scary in a mammogram or, and so the the experience starts with. I think some anticipatory fear, given the amount of awareness that we have about breast cancer. And so, when they're diagnosed, that you know, the word cancer evokes or brings about so much fear for people that it automatically gets associated with just these really terrifying things that we, from a uh, relational frame theory perspective, or from a perspective of language development, where you think about how things get associated in our minds. Mm-hmm. Cancer is associated with death and dying, and this is my last Christmas, and um, or it gets associated with um, images of chemotherapy that are terrifying, of you know being incredibly sick and frail, and you know near death just from the treatment alone. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it starts with this terrifying context of breast cancer and then sort of moves to this really scary word uh, of cancer and and associating that with yourself Mm -hmm. right from the start. Mm -hmm. This this really scares people. I'm thinking about particularly breasts and breasts or you know, the image of uh, women's femininity and sexuality. What, what does that, how does that play into this? 
Well, I think it plays in lots of ways. One, you know, the, whether we like it or not, breasts are a symbol of femininity in, our, in most Western cultures and actually in many cultures around the world. And so having something that is bad associated with your breast is a complicated experience for women. But then, you know, depending on the type of treatment and what, I mean, the type of cancer and the type and what's causing the cancer, as soon as a woman get a woman gets diagnosed with breast cancer, they do tests to see if that is related to her having this being a type of cancer that feeds off of female hormones, for instance, mm-hmm. or that. So, depending on what type of cancer the woman is diagnosed with, um, one treatment option is a mastectomy, which involves removing the breast. Mm-hmm. So the you know the the woman often know that that's a possibility of a treatment option, whether they receive it or not. So from the beginning, you have this, something is wrong with this part of me that has to do with my femininity, either in terms of my breasts or my female hormones, and it might all need to be stopped and this breast might need to be taken off. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to, you know, the thoughts immediately go to that many of the chemotherapy treatments that women with breast cancer receive involve hair loss, Mm -hmm. which hair is often also a sign of femininity in women. Mm -hmm. So they imagine Mm -hmm. themselves without breasts and without hair Mm -hmm. pretty quickly from the time they hear the word cancer. Yeah. Yeah. That must be pretty detrimental in in, in imagining. So what, uh, how does, ACT approach this? How, how do you approach this as an ACT trainer? Um, well, I think that it, in some ways, just like with any type of problem, it depends on what the person is struggling with. And um, because, you know, what I've described here are pretty normal fears and pretty, you know, this, these aren't thought distortions in some ways. These are, you know, pretty um, normal and expected responses to the types of uh, information that people are given. Often women do lose their breasts. Often women do lose their hair. Often they are quite sick. Mm-hmm. And often they do have to go through, uh, you know, pretty rigorous treatments that are pretty hard on them. And you gave a great example in the beginning of the survival rates being better uh, in Western countries. And certainly those survival rates are much better in, um, you know, Western countries than developing countries. And those are five year survival rates. So Mm. the experience doesn't mean that they're free and clear once they're treated Mm. by any stretch. So that, you know, whether they're dealing with the ominousness of the word cancer or the fear about the treatment or the fear about this being something that takes their life or even after treatment, the fear that this is something that's going to come back. Mm -hmm. In some ways, those are all really rational fears. Mm -hmm. So from an ad perspective, what, what we want to emphasize is how can you carry this really real fear of something that really may happen in a way that you can still move forward in your life and still hold integrity and still have intention Mm -hmm. Uh, that that in a, 
you know, in a broad way is the goal from an act perspective. Mm -hmm. Jen, can I ask you, um, uh, you know, the first word of act is acceptance. What, what is it that needs to be accepted? Well, I, I think that, it, again, it somewhat depends on the woman and her situation and the context. But if I had to pick one thing that has to be accepted here, it's fear that you're going to die from this. Mm -hmm. Because that, I mean, I've worked with people with breast cancer for a long time, and it's very hard to find women who don't have that fear, no matter how treatable their cancer, no matter how reassured their physician and their oncologist and their family and their friends want them to feel, it's a pretty normal reaction to hear that you have breast cancer and fear that you're going to die from it. Mm -hmm. And so the acceptance isn't of the breast cancer. It isn't of this life of, you know, pain and suffering. It is acceptance of making friends with, welcoming in this fear Mm. that this shoe's going to drop. Would you say, Jen, I don't know if you remember, but there was some early research about um, by making friends even with the cancer. I mean, by rather than treating it as the enemy, uh, that the the immune system was reinforced. And uh, so that that there is a point of even accepting, accepting in the way of of, um, embracing the reality of the moment. Yes. And and it's interesting. There's been some kind of mixed research about this. Some people um, have found and, and really strongly feel that the best path for particularly women with breast cancer, and I keep saying women with breast cancer, men do experience breast cancer. Um, I study women with breast cancer specifically, um, but they do at a lower prevalence, but men do experience it as well. So Mm -hmm. I want to acknowledge that. And there there are people who have asserted that in cases, the best outcomes are associated with finding benefit. They call it benefit finding or um, post-traumatic growth Mm -hmm. in this field. That the best, some people uh, report that the best outcomes are associated with finding some benefit from this, making friends with it, welcoming it in a way that allows you to see what gifts it has brought into mm-hmm. your life, mm-hmm. which I, I have to say, I think is beautiful. I, I do too. Yeah. We go through something really hard. It, it is really lovely mm-hmm. to find a way to, to make space for that, to have brought gifts for you. There's a slippery slope there, though. Sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. The, the, the worry, right, is that if you tell people that they have to find a positive, then you, in some ways you're instructing somebody to think differently about this experience when it's hard. Mm-hmm. And we know from an ACT perspective that as soon as you instruct somebody to think positively about something, that you lose the ability to really take perspective on even your negative thoughts about it. Mm -hmm. And so what's hard about this and the slippery slope that I mentioned is that I don't have to tell my patients to find a positive Mm -hmm. way to understand this because they think they should. Mm -hmm. The culture tells them that they should think positively and be Mm -hmm. positive. And you're the only way you're going to not get, have your cancer come back is if you're positive and, Mm -hmm. You know, we would say from an act perspective, that's that's a tricky space. We want people to be able to 
find all of the elements of this experience, both positive and negative, and make room for them and move forward. Um, and we have to be careful because the, the culture really wants to instruct them mm-hmm. to find a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking, and you know much more than I, Jen, uh, but I was thinking, and uh, somehow we have this cultural fear of cancer specifically, and you see these institute of, you know, of um, the fight against cancer as if, you know, if we cured cancer, we'd live forever. You know, it's almost it. And, and I, I wonder, you know, looking at Victor Franker's words of, um, and even Eckhart uh, uh, Tolle, if um, by choosing your fate, when you're actually choosing cancer, which I'm sure is not an easy thing to do, but um, you may be helping your body by you know, the resistance causes stress. So if you, you know, if you hate something or make the enemy something that's inside of you, um, you, you will lower your, your resources. So I I get, I understand what you mean by this, that this positive thinking, I wasn't thinking that, but I was thinking more of uh, joining your body rather than um, seeing that I have an enemy inside of me. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. And, and interestingly, um, in the pilot work that there, there's been a number of people who've done pilot work um, in ACT and, camp and different types of cancer. Um, but in my pilot work that I've done um, in evaluating ACT interventions with people, particularly specifically with breast cancer, an interesting finding is that without meaning to, uh, teaching people to make some space for what they're experiencing, both positive and negative Mm -hmm. seems to be related to increases in benefit finding. Mm -hmm. So an interesting piece here is that, you know, the, what we know is that it's, it can be complicated for people to instruct positive thinking about their breast cancer or making friends with it, that sometimes that, creates this different Mm -hmm. type of resistance for people. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that if you teach people to take a different perspective on their thoughts, negative and positive about their cancer, and to help them connect to their body in a way that, that helps them move forward, then you actually end up producing this way where people can see more of the gifts, where people can make more peace with this being in their body in an interesting sort of backdoor way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot of things are backdoor Jen don't you think that we've worked with uh, with within behavior medicine yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's hard to target things directly but going more around it and finding ways of almost tricking your brain so that uh, you can help I mean acceptance is always a difficult thing to talk about because I mean nobody wants anyone to have more symptoms but somehow by accepting it uh, you can kind of trick you're like trying to hiccup and your hiccups go away yeah exactly Uh, yeah absolutely and and the nice thing I think that the space that ACT allows us to take our patients to is this really beautiful place of you don't have to think of this as something positive you don't have to have welcoming thoughts towards it and you can still move forward in your life and live with vitality in a way that you would if you did Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Jen uh what kind of act data um do you know about it for this population 
So there's a, quite a few uh, labs around the world who are doing um, pretty, still pretty preliminary exploratory work. Um, there are overall, I would say there are small and medium effect sizes um, when specifically when looking at breast cancer populations um, on a number of things. Um, mostly, you know, we, what we would guess from an ACT perspective on kind of what we call maybe functional outcomes. So people living better, having better relationships, more connected to their values, better quality of life. Um, there aren't data, and, and I, if I had to guess, I would say there probably won't be, maybe ever, but at least for a long time, outcomes related to specific cancer um, outcomes. So we're not specifically looking at less recurrence or, um, you know, longer survival times. I did a study a couple years ago um, looking at something that we think might be related physiologically, which is we did a study looking at the stress hormone cortisol in women with breast cancer who have been through at versus those who have not, to see if there's changes in what we think of as the sort of normal flow of this stress hormone in your body over time. Mm -hmm. And it was a small study, so, you know, we can't answer things definitively yet, um, but it didn't seem to, we didn't seem to impact it. Whether or not an ACT intervention may be delivered in a different way or with a different intensity would um, I think remains to be seen. Um, and, and there are more analyses that we want to look at to see if different types of women maybe had a different benefit or, you know, had different response to the treatment from a cortisol perspective. So from the perspective of this stress hormone. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason we looked at the stress hormone is that it looks like there's a relationship with this stress hormone, the normal flow of this stress hormone being disrupted and uh, longevity in breast cancer survivors. So it's some it's a it's a way to start to look at this, but not one that really has led us to much information yet. Okay, Jen, do you have any um, concrete clinical example of like the key elements that you were working with ACT with this? Absolutely. I mean, I I think the best. It, like much of how people I think in who do act in behavioral medicine work, and I, I think many of the those of us in the behavioral medicine side of act, um, really I also have a very strong emphasis on values. I spend most of my time with my patients talking about values, and I have this beautiful example of this patient once who was metastatic breast cancer, so she knew she was had a terminal diagnosis but was healthy and fine and the treatment had her under control, her cancer under control for now. And she uh, went back to go visit uh, a complicated family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, she had a bunch of very difficult relationships with siblings and parents. Um, and her parents were older and they were reaching the end of their life and she wanted to go. Uh, they lived far away and she wanted to go visit them one last time. And uh, you know, she was so scared because of the cancer. She she had a lot of big feelings related to her prognosis and her fear of dying and 
a lot of it had to do with these relationships. And so she was very conflicted about going to visit them and really struggling with it and did this beautiful thing and flew back and visited her family and her, the relationships with her family were not different. You know, she and I had spent a lot of time talking about what her values were, how she wanted to be as a sister and how she wanted to be as a daughter before she went and she went back and visited them and uh, they were not different. There was a lot of uh, difficult conflict that happened while she was there and she came back and she told me about it. And, you know, I knew this was probably her last trip to visit her family and she knew that too. And, um, you know, I knew that there was going to be a lot of big feelings about this. And she came back and she told me about it. And, and I have to admit, I was a little sad for her mm-hmm. and kind of expressed that in the session. And, and she gave me this very big smile and said, you know, this therapist once told me that Values are about process, not about outcome. (laughs) (laughs) And I lived my values with all of my heart. And I went back open hearted and leaned into them. And, you know, it didn't work out with the outcome that I wanted. But I came back knowing that I lived my intentions to the fullest ability I have. And I feel really vital from that experience. (laughs) Wow. I thought that was a beautiful sort of example of, you know, what this work is with cancer patients. It is remembering that even with this terrifying, maybe the most terrifying thing you can fear that you're about to die, walking around with that and still leaning into your life and moving forward. Wow, Jen, that's a beautiful story. Jen, we've come to the end of our program. Um, what do you? What would you advise them if our radio listeners um, around the world? There are probably listeners themselves with breast cancer or with family or friends with breast cancer. What what advice could you give us? I mean, I I think that in terms of family members and friends, that we've noticed that sometimes people who care about people with breast cancer become afraid Mm -hmm. of saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, certainly with the people that you care about, assuming it's consistent with your values, lean in and be transparent about being worried about that and lean in the best you can because people who are going through this need love and support. And for people who are experiencing breast cancer, or even if you're not, I, I think breast cancer is a beautiful example of no matter what it is you're afraid of, you can live with vitality and fullness and bring it along with you. That's wonderful advice. I think that, that could have applied to yeah, any, any illness that happens to us to continue to live a vital life. Thank you so much, Jen, for being on our program today. Absolutely. Thank you, Joanne. You've been listening to Dr. Jen Gregg. Uh, Jen is a clinical psychologist and associate professor at the San Jose State University. Uh, Jen is an ACT trainer, therapist, and research uh, who's been studying ACT with Steve Hayes for 20 years and has applied ACT to different uh, medical uh, illnesses. You can read more about uh, Jen by clicking on her name on this week's episode of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Thank you for joining us today.
Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne and her work, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website icon in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. Joanne's books are available through Amazon.com, including her two latest, The Diet Trap, Feed Your Psychological Needs, and End the Weight Loss Struggle Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and ACT and RFT in Relationships, Helping Clients Deepen Intimacy and Maintain Healthy Commitments Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy and Rational Frame Theory. Amazon also carries her books on chronic pain and other topics. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT. Taking hurt to hope.